Blog Talk hey, uh, hey, y'all. Absolutely, positively feeling blessed to be here on Cap Builder Network. Got to say a shout-out to our founder, Mark Parham. Brother Parham, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity. And the audience that Mark has, you guys are the best. Like, you guys are committed to your businesses, committed to understanding and making sure that you're active, actively promoting your business, actively interested in what's going on. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the audience that Mark keeps telling us that we have on Cat Builder Network. So we decided to spin off the show, and here we are. Now, I'm excited tonight to have as a guest a young man on the come up. That's right. The Glad Scientist, I've known him for about a couple of years now, and he's impressed me. Because, you know, in business, it's hard for a business owner to be creative, but yet be specific and targeted. What this young man is able to do has really been impressive to me because he understands people. He gets customer service. He gets operations. He gets people. But then he codes and he creates using a computer, and then he creates using visual art and things in, in reality. And now he's moved on from visual art to where's where? The title of our show, Virtual Reality. We are excited and happy to have with us tonight the one, the only Mr. Glass Scientist. Are you there? Can you hear me? <laughs> I am. I am here. <laughs> Quite the introduction, and uh, thank you, Martin. Well, you know, I could just read your bio, but at the end of the same time, it wouldn't really be personal. Since you're my first guest ever on this show, I'm excited that I want my audience to know a couple things uh, before we even jump into the bio. Why glad science? Oh, boy. Why the glad scientist? Well, I was uh, I was living in uh, Switzerland, and uh, it was a city of about 200 people, and I lived on top of a, a pizza parlor, and the only thing I had with me was my computer and my really old step sequencer. Uh, and every night I would sit up there, and uh, I would just sequence out beats, um, and they'd be really weird, but, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, you were high on a pizza, you, know, you were high on a pizza and high on the Christmas <laughs> air and some Swiss chocolate, and then you were processing beets. Yeah, so, I mean, I was just sitting there, and, uh, I was like, I am, like, a mad scientist in here, just with headphones, just going crazy, and... Every time I finished the composition, I would just bust out laughing. And uh, I was like, I'm not a mad scientist. I'm a glad scientist. <laughs> um, and I'm so not crazy. This is, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, it was interesting. I mean, my process at the time was taking this uh, box, this machine that was very structured and trying to make it feel like it was uh, a humanistic uh, voice sort of saying and speaking through nature. Um, so I wow. think one of the first songs I, first songs I did when I was there was uh, was called To Be a Flying Leaf, or a Falling Leaf, excuse me. Um, and it's just that feeling I get when I look at a leaf falling and it's, its pattern is so random, but it's so smooth and it's chaotic at times, but still there's like this joy and that like weightlessness. Um, and then, you know, eventually it just ends and it hits the ground. Whoa. Yeah. Really you took me there. You really took me there. Now coming back to, <laughs> from that. <laughs> I also want to give parents. <laughs> I want to give parents um, uh, something and a guide to go by. Even even our listeners who may be listening for the very first time, uh, being this is our first show. Um, I want them to have some type of context to word science in your life, and also um, before we jump into virtual reality, uh, your process as an artist. So, what was your major in college? So I actually went to Georgia Tech, um, the Georgia Institute of Technology, and I studied computational media, um, which is computer science and liberal arts. Um, and I kind of I was, came in as the second class of this major, and so they really didn't know what was going on. Um, so I kind of snuck in as much fine arts and as much film um, and design as possible when I was when I was studying. So it's essentially for me, it was computer science and art. So I have a lot of science there. I have a lot of coding background. I've been coding since I was 15, so almost 15 years now, showing my age. Um, and uh, yeah, I've always uh, I've been playing music since I was three. So a lot of creativity on one side and a lot of very practical mathematic uh, physics driven science on the other side. Gotcha. That sounds like a, a really diverse and at the same time, uh, just like <laughs> that, that's, that's a lot because, you know, art takes you different places. And then of course, coding takes you a whole other place. But then again, I, I guess, one other one show we'll do one day will be we'll debate you know the the convergence of both slash the difference of both because it does some to some degree you know artists zone out and coders zone out on different on different levels the wavelengths but you've been able to create create that balance between the both and that leads us to today's topic which is virtual reality can you speak to where virtual reality is at in general like we know we can walk into Verizon and we can get a, a, a virtual reality Samsung headset or we can go to Google.com and, and find Google, Google Glasses and maybe get some cardboard glasses from Google if we're nice enough or if we you know, fill out the right form or what have you. But where you are as a coder and where you are as an artist, uh, can you speak to where the industry is at today as virtual reality? What can people do in virtual reality today that they couldn't do two years ago? Um, I think what's happened with virtual reality is we've had this dream since the 90s um, and maybe earlier uh, 
But, you know, I was watching Lawnmower Man over the weekend, and I really saw how the 90s uh, really portrayed virtual reality as this whole new frontier of computational power and the way we interact with computers. And I think that, you know, in these first couple of years that we've had uh, Cardboard and uh, the Samsung Gear VR out, we've kind of just been obsessed with the technology itself. We've been like, oh, wait, look, I can put this video that was in HD and now it's in 360. And it kind of felt like the whole 3D fad where you put on some glasses and now you have this thing that's sort of popping out at you and it kind of gives you a headache after a while. Um, so we're sort of still in that baby phase of the technology where a lot of people are just kind of geeking out on, uh, hey, this is, this is fully immersive. I'm really in this world. But on the other side of it, it's really cool because what you're seeing in the development platforms for this with Unity and Unreal Engine, which are both uh, game engines that are super focused on making VR really easy to develop, and what they're doing with that process is actually really revolutionary for a technology. They're basically making it so that the same way that you would code a normal 2D or 3D game you can now just introduce, you know, a few more options into that and take into account, you know, a little bit of tweaking with your graphics and all of a sudden you have a virtual reality experience. So you don't have to learn any new coding. You just have to learn, you know, three or four or, you know, maybe like 27 new options that you may need to tweak. And then, you know, you're, you're making virtual reality games and you're programming in virtual reality. So I think that those two things kind of define where we're at right now. Um, on the one side, there's a lot of people who are super excited about the technology. Um, and on the other side, there's developers who are making it so that people can really create those immersive experiences and create them fast. Because what you're seeing is a lot of fall off from when people first experience virtual reality to like the long-term customer who keeps coming back and coming back for more. And the issue there and the gap there is the amount of content that's available. So what the developers are saying is, hey, let's solve this problem where there's not enough content by making it really easy to create content. Let's make it so people don't have to spend, you know, all this money on a new programming environment, all this money on, uh, you know, crazy new computers. Let's say, okay, all you have to do is upgrade your graphics card, which you probably were going to do anyways, and now use the same platform drop in a plug-in, and you're good to go. So there's those two, two things that are happening at the same time. And, yeah, I could speak on and on about sort of the, the current state of VR. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're kind of in, in the early days. There's a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of room for perspectives on it, too. So do you find that um, from a... Where Where is the sweet spot, do you think, from a business perspective, as far as if you're an artist and you decide you want to do a VR experience, you want your your fans, you're a local hip-hop artist, you want your fans to feel like they're at a concert. So can today, can that local artist find a programmer to create a concert-like experience, put themselves in there, shoot themselves a green, green screen, and put themselves in there, insert themselves into the VR uh, background and basically, you know, throw a, not a live concert, obviously, but a concert uh, that's only on VR. So you give people a VR-only experience. And, and if so, can 
the brand or the small local small business that might be sponsoring his tour or her tour, can they also brand themselves inside that VR experience today? 100% yes. Um, really, the only the only hiccups there are: do you know the right people? Um, have those people went through you know the like sort of 27 uh, tweaking steps of figuring out what to do with 360 video or with the VR experience? Um, and then yeah. Do you have? It's essentially going back to uh, to traditional marketing at that point. Like, do you have the marketing team that knows how to sell that product? And really, like, in the grand scheme of things, like nothing's changed on that side of it. Like, you still have to have a good marketing team. You still have to know to. You have to have all the same skills. Um, I think uh, some something that impacted me a lot. We had VR Day ATL a couple weeks ago here in Atlanta. And it was like Atlanta's first VR uh, conference for all the different companies to come out. And there's a blog there that I read um, quite a bit called VR Scout. And the main blogger came to the festival and he gave a talk. And it was by far one of the best because he was just super motivational. But um, I think that something that he said that really stuck with me was like, if you do something already, think about how you can use VR to do that in a new way. Don't come into VR and say, oh, well, this is VR, so now I want to do something totally different. His perspective was, you know, and it's similar to what I'm doing. If, you know, you're a musician, why don't you figure out a way to make music in VR? Um, so that was kind of interesting, and I think that, that that actually speaks a lot to the way that so many of the, the structures surrounding VR haven't changed. Um, and... In terms of, yeah, monetizing it, there's so many strategies that you can monetize things, and there's so many ways that, you know, you can get people to, to pay for different experiences if you want to. Um, and there's so many ways to not make people pay. So there's, it goes both ways. And, you know, being an artist, you kind of see people give away art all the time. People charge hundreds and thousands of dollars for art. So for a local small business that wants to, like, there's this kid on the block. He's kind of got a hot following on Instagram. He's got 100, 200,000 followers. Every time he tweets out about the local pizza shop, pizza shop gets caught, gets crowded. They're like, yo, I heard about this thing, you know, virtual reality. Uh, you know, we want to put you, we want to figure out how we can put, is it is it cost prohibitive for a, a local small business to do use VR and partner with a local music act? to put themselves in VR or throw a VR type of uh, event um, or not just to throw an event because we're getting, I want to get ahead of ourselves. I want to talk about your event in VR, but just to be able to record, upload it, and then tell their customers, hey, go over to Google Glasses, uh, google.com forward slash glasses start, and, um, you know, go ahead and sign up for some cardboard glasses from Google and go watch this kid. Um, you know, do a VR concert. So my question really is, is how much does it cost on average for a local business to be able to do VR? You know, there's sort of two directions you can go with VR at the moment, um, and one of them is 360 video, um, and the other one is, you know, producing, you know, the full-on graphics, almost like creating a video game style. And I would say, I mean, it's, 
if you know a pizza place was trying to show that it was popping and almost do like a sort of interesting commercial where like everyone in the pizza shop is totally different and they're like a really diverse and hip place, you know, you could go out and get a two hundred fifty dollar uh, Samsung Gear three sixty camera, put it down in the middle of the pizza shop, you know, press record, have your uh, you know influencer as you mentioned your kid on the block, um, come up and you know do a little like cameo talking about the different people in the place or do whatever and people can be just as creative in this medium as any other um and that's pretty much done so you know about 250 dollar cost barrier for a business that's not like a, a backbreaker in terms of a cost people pay more than that for a cell phone um and then in terms of viewing it you know yeah you can you can go and get a google cardboard now for like $12 that's like nice with like a strap and it might even come with a controller. Um, I've seen them on Amazon a lot of times for like 20 with all that good stuff and they're super comfortable. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not that cost prohibitive at the moment. I would say it's more so um, that the technology is new and it seems intimidating to a lot of people. Right. So now with 360 video, I mean, 360 can you explain the difference between VR as a platform and 360 video sits on top of the platform, or what's the difference between the two? So 360-degree video is essentially like being a tripod inside of a donut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a hashtag. Let me type that up. 360 video <laughs> is like being a tripod inside of a sublime donut. See that product placement there? Sublime, go ahead. Go ahead and sponsor us, Sublime. Just give us a box. Like, you don't even need, like, you know, a month sponsorship. Just a box. Just a box. Because, you know, a box hey, is like you can turn, so. They should put lenses on the side of sublime donut boxes and make them into cardboard headsets. <laughs> oh no! no. That's, see, that's what happens when you go to Georgia Tech, y'all. See, that's why mine is a terrible thing to Because only hey, you could Georgia Tech can figure right? that. Right. You could have like eight <laughs> on the side. There's enough cardboard for all of it, and then you'd recycle all of it. Right. Right. Yeah. Of course. Yes. Uh-uh. Um. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, three sixteen. 360 video is a lot like, yeah, standing still inside of a donut of video um, that's happening around you. Um, the other day we were talking about, you know, 360 videos of concerts and, like, it's cool, you know. You can, like, look around and you can see all the people around you, you know, the guy behind you is, like, hitting a bowl or whatever, you know, like, the girl over there is, like, making out with this other girl and you're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Woo, um, go, go, yeah. But, you know, you were like, yeah, I, I imagine, you know, I could just, like, wade through this crowd and, you know, get over get over to the, the front row, and you can't because you're kind of stuck where the camera is. Um, so in virtual reality experiences, uh, you have the ability to, you know, have that agency where you can control what, mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so either you have a controller, either it's on the headset or it's in your hand, um, or with the HTC Vive, which is what I prefer, you can actually walk around in the space. Um, gotcha. And the walking around in the space is a lot more.
more big of a deal than it seems. Um, as soon as you're <laughs> able to, I mean, it's one thing it's one thing to put out your hand and be like, "Hey, I teleported," or to have a literal Xbox controller in your hand while you're playing in virtual reality and still look around, um, which is right. kind of what Oculus Rift users were doing before they got the touch controllers in December. Um, so the touch but when you can walk the around, touch do now. So yeah. the touch controller is. Um, so I'll go back a little bit. I mentioned the HTC Vive. That's HTC. You know, they made a bunch of cell phones. Uh, they came out with a virtual reality system. No one really saw it coming from them, and they used two. Absolutely not. Sensors. Yeah, that was <laughs> They used two sensors in the corners of a 15 uh, square foot uh, play area, which is basically a huge square in your room. Uh, and those sensors basically shoot off lasers super, super fast and can detect movement in that space to the millimeter. Um, so you have your controllers and you have your headset and they have these special sensors all over them that are helping to track that. You can walk around in that space. You know, you can interact with objects inside of a whole room, um, a virtual room. Oculus, uh, you know, they're probably the most well-known VR headset maker, Facebook bottom for $3 billion. Um, and they came out with the Oculus Rift, which, you know, was highly successful, really like the flagship, you know, it's like the iPhone for uh, virtual reality headsets. And for a long time, people were just playing it with a normal, you know, Xbox controller or whatever um, connected to their computer when they played games, which is cool and all but then they wanted to have something more immersive. So now they have these touch controllers that, although they're called touch, they actually just kind of go around your hand and make it so you can kind of grab items in virtual reality and you can kind of interact a little more naturally from what I've heard than the HTC Vive controllers. Um, so it's kind of the answer to HTC Vive there. So that's a long answer. No, yeah, I mean, it's, it's well... Um, so a, a real estate agent that's looking at 360 video to shoot, you know, the apartment and for like, so basically you, you, you're not going to walk through the apartment per se. You're going to have to be strategic and think about how you place your feet because you're making it so the person can actually spin the video around themselves. And then you know, maybe then you move to the next room after you make it well, like the donut within the tripod within the donut. Am I getting that right? Yeah, mm, kind of. So you don't actually have to spin it around. The head tracking part does that. So even the okay, automatic. Gotcha, even, gotcha. Yeah. So even on the cardboard, it uses the phone's accelerometer to detect where your head's moving. So that shifts the view. Um, so if you ever seen like a 360 photo on Facebook, which seemed to be popping up a lot, you like click and drag and you can see someone's whole room. So in the headset, you just turn your head and then you see that part of the room. So that's a lot more of a natural movement. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So now um, with 360, also with 360 video, can you... So if I if I don't have the headset, can I can can somehow I upload that to like a place like YouTube and sit there and watch it? Yeah, um, it's not necessarily the easiest process. 
Um, it's not that it's hard. <laughs> it's just, again, it's just, it's again, not easy. It's, it's not that it's hard. It's just not it's, easy. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if you're not a tech person, you might just give up because you're like, man, this is too many steps. Um, but basically, you have to stitch it. Um, there's a bunch of different softwares that'll just either they come with the camera that you use or they're sold separately and they basically make it so the video is all flat. But it's connected on both sides. And then when you upload it to YouTube. But flat. Um, but connected. So but flat. They call it they call it equi rectangular and you'll see like a huge sort of panorama view of what you shot in three sixty. Um so you kind of see like the front directly in front of you, and then the back is on it's split. So the back is actually on the left, the far left, and the far right side of of the frame of like if you imagine the photo um, flat. And then you've got to be you you got to be strategic about. It. You can't just like you say we said earlier that the human um, uh, human uh, what do you call it human tripod. But, I mean, I think, uh, like, a tripod stand still doesn't necessarily think about where, well, I guess you do think about where you put the tripod at. But, I mean, you really have to think this through. You just can't just go on and just boom. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, it's definitely new territory in terms of filmmaking. Um, and I feel like it's definitely still early days in creatively exploring where it's most useful. Because, uh, you know, we're kind of, in the age where we're used to that kind of point of view stuff from all the GoPro videos that we've seen and all those action cameras. Um, so people kind of a lot of times want to do that sort of approach with 360 video, um, which is mm -hmm. cool and it definitely works in some cases. Uh, but then when you want to bring it into a more like a filmic setting um, where it's something like mm -hmm. planned, um, it gets difficult, you know. You're, you're trying to use lighting, you're trying to use microphones, and all that stuff is going to be in the shot. You get the whole room. So, right, everything. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a new game of hiding. It's like hiding things, and then also, um, where do you want the the point of view to to be from? Right. And you kind of have to think about, you know, hey, there's a person in the middle of this, like. You kind of have to consider right. your camera as a person um, while you're shooting. So there's that element too. But yeah, back to the back to the like process of uploading it. Yeah, after you stitch it, um, you can basically then put it in any normal normal editing program like Premiere, or Final Cut, or whatever. Do your normal effects to it, but don't shift it vertically because that'll just mess everything up. Um, and then you just export it um, as the resolution that it was in, and essentially there's some tool that YouTube gives you that'll inject it with some 360 metadata that mm -hmm. will then allow it to be interpreted as a 360 video by YouTube. Which mm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking in the future, within this year, they'll probably figure out a way to just detect automatically. But for now, right. you have to run through this tool. It, does this little injection thing, and then it's good to go. So that's more or less the process. A uh, couple more steps. Gotcha. And a good bit more to think about when you're actually shooting. Heck, yeah. Heck, yeah. So now you get to what I call the main event. And this weekend at Tech Square, you are actually doing a concert. I don't know if we call it a concert 
or a live event, you know, because I'm not an artist. So I don't write words. I'm just a business guy, you know, <laughs> flight techie, but I don't, I don't program, so I don't even know we call me a techie today because tech means so many different things. And today it's turning into coding. So anyway, we call this an event. We call it a concert. We call this an art installation. You know, what is this? Are we calling it? But on Saturday at Tech Square in Atlanta, Georgia, you are doing the first live blank. You fill in the blank. VR concert. Yeah. So, oh, we do call yeah, it a concert. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, we've been talking about it as a live VR concert, and I kind of like to stick to, you know, naming conventions for the sake of being consistent and not confusing people. Um, so we've been calling it that. We'll keep calling it that. Um, and, yeah, I'll be in the HTC Vive, actually, this headset we've talked a little bit about. Um, and I'll have, you know, my whole music studio in virtual reality. And I will be performing uh, on a variety of instruments in a very particular manner to portray uh, a very distinct concept. And the whole crowd will be able to see everything that I see on a projected screen behind me. Um, so it'll be sort of a, a shared consciousness experience. You'll be able to more or less see what I'm thinking uh, at all times during the set, uh, which I think is a big thing for electronic music. Uh, a lot of times you have your favorite electronic music uh, and you go to the show and you get there and you get all the way up to the front and this dude's playing a tiny controller with Ableton and you're like, dude, really, are two buttons controlling all of his music? And, you know, then, you go back, then I go back to the middle of the, the crowd to where it sounds the best. My friends stay up in the front. Um, but, you know, so it's sort of revealing uh, more of the process, right? So performing all these right. sounds live, passing different instruments into different things. I'm using a full mixer um, in virtual reality, mixing between different sounds, all of that. But the interesting thing about this uh, this medium, if I call it that, and also just the the interaction design of of this is that it's very performative. You know, I have this 15 feet squared, uh, you know, stage to work with, right? That's totally empty um, in the real world. And I'm well aware um, of how I look in the real world, or at least somewhat, even though I'm there in virtual reality. So it's, you can do a lot of things. You know, it becomes almost performance art at that point. And part of my piece, um, so the whole the whole night is focused on the concept of technological singularity, which is mm-hmm. a science fiction theme uh, where artificial intelligence and machine learning starts to grow so fast. Like machines are able to teach themselves super duper fast, and they just accelerate like at such an exponential rate that us humans are just left in the dust. So, you know, you got this cell phone and it's like, technology's my bitch, whatever, get in my pocket. And then it's like, see you, dude. Driving <laughs> off in this Ferrari at like a million miles per hour. And you're just like, oh, man. Um, so you got to kind of deal with that feeling. Um, and so our show is focused on that. So I'm performing in virtual reality. And my my piece is focused on the self. You know, I'll be by myself. I think it makes a lot of sense. 
and I'll be going through that experience. Uh, I'll be opening with a poem because I actually started as a writer. Um, and then uh-huh. after me will be a duo. And uh, the duo will be two uh, virtuoso uh, electronic musicians doing some modular synthesis on some, some real hardware. And they'll be focused on society. Um, oh. And I've heard their piece and it's amazing. Um, and they use, they're using like an old school radio to like, taking signals from what's going on in actual society live at that moment to modulate their synthesizers and stuff. It's really cool. Um, and then the final piece will be 10th uh, um, Letter. He's uh, a friend, Jeremy, and uh, his work will be focused on nature and how nature is involved in this rapidly developing uh, technology and how mm. nature's intelligence measures up to that of what we have created and what has continued to grow so fast. Um, So he'll be performing an audiovisual piece as the the finale, as the last movement. Why do you think this is the first time someone has attempted this? Um, Well, a lot of it it is timing. Um, I think the software that I'm using came out late last summer. and I got it, you know, just after after Black Friday. Um, it was on sale for like two dollars, <laughs> which is amazing for what it does. Um, and I write to the developer like pretty regularly and just thank him and shower praises on him because he's created such a beautiful thing for me to use. Um, I feel like that's important, by the way. His name is his name is Logan Olson. Um, and the software is called Soundstage VR. If you're interested in taking a peek at it, um, it's very after freaking. It's very. It's revolutionary, to be honest. Um, his his perception on user interfaces and how things can be uh, realistic but also surreal, and take in all these elements, like all the samples, you know, um, are eight track based. Right, so you're moving around wow. eight tracks in, in virtual reality space as your samples. You're putting them into different machines, and those, and then your wow. machines are using the samples in totally different ways. It's just wow, really cool. And that, and that's one of the things that virtual reality opens the door for is like user interfaces can just go bananas. Like, it, you have a whole world to work with. You are creating worlds now. So, I mean, if you're thinking about, like, learning the code, you're thinking about getting into development, getting into game development, like, now is the time because you can really be a god. It's not about making, uh, you know, the brain of a god to do Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like you're creating worlds now, and it's only going to get, get more started. and more immersive. Yeah. Gotcha. So pretty cool. So pretty cool people, time. Yeah. Where can we um find uh what's the link for for Eventbrite? What do people type in? What's yeah. the hashtag? So it's singularity sound dot eventbrite dot com. So singularity, it's not the easiest word to spell. But then sound dot eventbrite dot com. Yeah, I was talking to somebody earlier and they were reading it and they just kept saying singularly. And I was like, actually, it's singularly. (laughs) That's kind of funny, uh, then at the same time, it's not so funny. (laughs) Well, it's 
it's an easy mistake when you're reading something fast. But yeah, singularitysound.eventbrite.com, um, and that should that should get you there. Uh, and yeah, it's on Facebook as well if you want to search on there. Um, maybe Facebook is better at searching than Eventbrite. I'm not sure. I haven't what, tested them side to side. What's going to hmm. be the uh, the hashtag? So the hashtag is VR concert. Um, the second hashtag is the Volta Lab, which is Volta Laboratory Social Club, which is a, a group that puts on really unique events that sort of seek beyond just the arts into a, a way of life. Um, so they have, you know, drunk chess, like once a month at Joystick here in Atlanta. They have uh, waves in the woods where everybody goes out with headphones and listens to the same music while they're hiking. A lot of really unique events, so it's it's really cool, really yeah. cool to be working wow. with the event. Um, so that's another one of the hashtags. And then the last hashtag is uh, Singularity Sound, if you can spell it. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so we just created a, a link, Bitly link, for a VR concert. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's what we just did. Yeah, that's how we roll here. Small business tech news. We want our guests to know that we care. We're gonna follow you. We're gonna tweet you. We're gonna Instagram you. We're gonna Facebook you. And we're gonna make up short URLs for you too. Yeah, that's what we're gonna do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you especially for the short URL. <laughs> no problem. No problem. That's exactly what we do. But um, on a serious note. Um, what time does the show start and um, the YouTube channel where people can, and the Instagram where people can find you? Yeah, so Instagram, I'm the glad scientist. Uh, Twitter, that was too long, so I'm the glad scientist, D-E at the beginning. Um, and then in terms of the show, yeah, doors open at 7.30. Uh, we're going to have an introduction from the former president of the Science Fiction Foundation, if I'm not saying that organization wrong. Um, Lisa Yazik. She's also a professor and a PhD um, at Georgia Tech. I actually had a class with her on on nanotechnology and science fiction, and she always stuck out as this this pretty amazing uh, mind in that realm. Yeah. And she sounds like she's it. done a lot and uh she's gonna give the introduction and really kinda set set people's mind right for uh how to think about the show. Um gotcha. and I think that's, that's that, that was that was a big win um in planning the show to get her to be involved, um, at least in my eyes. Um and I mean all these other guys that I'm performing with are like just amazing musicians. I mean, I'm all right, but like these guys are like, ugh. so it's, it's really. And I mean, it's, uh, you're also you're also monetizing. This is a way to monetize VR. So I like this, I like the concept. Yeah, yeah. It's a way to monetize VR. So definitely. So it's a seven dollar entry. You know, it's reasonable. Uh, we we're you know we're doing it pretty grassroots. It's in the space that I run during the day. And uh, we're we're using we're building our own sound system. We're 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 really doing it all ourselves. So you know, just that little bit to kind of pass around between the contributors afterwards. 
and uh, have a exactly. little bit to to get to the space. Yeah, so exactly. Go a long way. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes that's, All right. well, that's what's up. those kind of heart and soul performances end up being some of the best. Oh, that's what's up, man. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We're excited for you. We're gonna um, give you a link once we finish uh, editing the show. We're gonna add some some uh, possibly some music from your other shows people could hear create a nice nice little intro and um um we're looking forward to seeing what's coming what's coming next from the glass scientists and uh the other projects you're working on i'm not going to give it away but you're working on some pretty awesome <laughs> projects so we expect to have you back on the show and always to give us an update you know maybe if not every month or every other month about what's happening in vr uh, i think it was ht Today it was announced that they're putting $10 million into a fund, and the proposals are pretty wide open for what's available. Um, uh, I mean, through the UN, through the, the establishing what the UN feels is prosperity and life-changing events. Um, but you got, you know, you got to think of how, how, how what you do in VR is going to do that. Um, but I mean, I think there's some great. You know, it could be a morning affirmation yoga routine, or it could be, you know, it's a bunch of things I think you could do virtually that would inspire people to, and slash, uh, you could also do some things that can have a, create a business for people. So there's a bunch of things I think that that's there. Um, so anyway, we want to mm-hmm. keep us up to date on what's happening in VR and also 360 video. And we'll be at the show on Saturday, so we're definitely going to be looking to talk about it on two, next Tuesday, next week, and tell everybody how great it was and give them the link so they can go watch it. If they miss it, they're not here in Atlanta, and they're not following us on uh, Instagram or following you on Instagram, then we'll make sure the link is out next week. Cool. Yeah, thank, thank you guys for having me on the show. Um it's always fun to share some uh, some of the weirdness that goes on in my head. <laughs> and make money. Make money from it. That's what's up. That's what's up. All right. Daniel, a.k.a. Glad Scientist. You can follow him on uh, ZE. So it's at symbol ZE Glad Scientist on Twitter or The Glad Scientist on Instagram. Thanks for being our first guest. Next week, we're going to be talking about marijuana and what's the best way to make money starting out your marijuana business, legal, that is. (laughs) So, anyway, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining.